Welcome to our weekly Catechism class. This lesson is a weekly look at the Heidelberg Catechism to help us to learn Christian doctrine with a warm and a practical application. Every lesson has an accompanying study guide. The web link to find that guide is in the episode notes. Now, let's start the class and learn the lessons. Welcome to our Catechism class. In Lord's Day 9 of the Heidelberg Catechism, our instructor begins his examination of the clauses of the Apostles' Creed. He includes this in section 2 of the Catechism, that section which deals with our redemption through the grace of God. Remember that the Gospel is not just an emotional appeal to come to Jesus just as you are. The Gospel is the whole counsel of God. And that needs to be taught. We are to go into all the world and teach. But what are we to teach? Well, the Apostles' Creed is a useful summary of Christian doctrine. A summary that we must believe and teach and confess in order to know how Christ has purchased our salvation for us. So clause 1 of the Creed reads, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. The Catechist deals with this in two respects. Firstly, to address the facts of the person of God, and secondly then, to show how this relates to me, to us, as his created beings. In this study, we look at the first of those, the eternal God, the creator, the sustainer. In Lord's Day 9, we are asked, what do you believe when you say, I believe in God, the Father Almighty? And the answer we must give is that the eternal Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who out of nothing created heaven and earth and all that is in them, and who still upholds and governs them by his eternal counsel and providence, is for the sake of Christ, his Son, my God and my Father. I'm Bob McAvoy, and this is the Semper Refer Meta Podcast. Let's remind ourselves of the words of Paul in Acts chapter 17 and verse 24. When he was addressing the great thinkers of the Areopagus in Athens, those men who claimed to know everything but who were totally ignorant of their creator, Paul wrote, God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands. Neither is worship with men's hands, as though he needed anything seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things. Now in that text and in our catechism we learn three important facts about God. The first one is that he is the eternal creator. We must begin our segment of belief right where the Bible begins, right at creation. God created the world. God who made the world. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker 
of heaven and earth. Now that's fundamental. God is the creator. He created the world for his glory. He didn't have to create. He created the world because it pleased him to do so in order that his divine power could be demonstrated so that his wisdom could be made known so that he could lavish his goodness and his love upon his own creation. In other words, his unique act of creation is solely for the purposes of bringing all praise and glory to God forever and ever. And that biblical doctrine of creation is firmly fixed in Scripture. Furthermore, God created this world out of nothing. Out of nothing at all. We call this creation ex nihilo. It's how the Bible begins. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Some people will ask what existed before creation. And our answer is that God did. And our human minds, limited by the constraints of time and space, simply cannot take this in. We can't hope to comprehend it, this sight of eternity. Yet God created all of this in just six days. I wonder do you literally believe this? You should. In Exodus, the six-day creation of Genesis 1 is given moral authority in the Torah. Exodus chapter 20 and verse 8 to 11. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days thou shalt labour. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Jesus later sanctioned the writings of Moses in the law. In John chapter 5 and verse 45 to 47, Jesus said, Do not think that I shall accuse you to the Father. There is one who accuses you, Moses, in whom you trust. For if you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? He does that again in Luke chapter 13 and verse 14, when he speaks about the Sabbath. One preacher gave a very good reason why he believed in a literal six-day creation. He simply affirmed that he himself wasn't there when it happened. So he would prefer to take the word of someone who was. And that one is the Lord Jesus Christ, God's Son, who was the one who created all things. In Colossians chapter 1 and verse 16 to 17. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things consist. So God created the world. He created the world entirely for his own glory. He created the world out of nothing at all. He created the world in just six days and his created world was perfect. When he made this world, because he made it for his glory, he made it perfect. After his six-day creation, we read in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 31, Then God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. But God didn't just created the world. He crowned it with mankind. 
As if it weren't enough that God created the world in six days perfectly for his own glory, he then filled it with good things. He created the flora and the fauna that would inhabit this world. He created men and women, made for communion with God. He made them in his own image. He made them to reflect his glory into the world. He gave them immortal souls so that they could dwell with him forever and ever, enjoying God's presence and glorifying his name. God is the eternal creator. But he also watches over creation. He cares for his creation and he rules and governs his entire creation. He is the Lord of heaven and of earth. In Lord's Day 9 we read this about the God who still upholds and governs them by his eternal counsel and providence. Those Greeks who believed in a God who was somehow involved in creating, would have believed that he wasn't much interested in the world that he created. Like the 19th century deists who believed that God created the world and then stepped back and left it to his own devices, like a master watchmaker who creates a beautiful watch and completes it and winds it up and then sees that it is working and then takes nothing more to do with it. That's not what God is like with regard to creation. Paul teaches us that the God who created this world is intimately involved in it. He even provides the food for his creative beings. In Psalm 104 verse 27 to verse 30, we read these words. These all look to you to give them their food in due season. When you give it to them, they gather it up. When you open their ha- your hand, they are filled with good things. When you hide their fa- your face, they are dismayed. When you take away their breath, they die and return to their dust. When you send forth their- your spirit, they are created and you renew the face of the ground. You see, we owe everything to God. Even the breath that we take is given to us by an act of God's common grace. And not only us too. God feeds all his creation. Matthew chapter 10 and verse 29. Jesus taught are not two sparrows sold for a penny. And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. God upholds this world and he governs it. He upholds it with divine wisdom and divine providence and he does this through our Lord Jesus Christ. In Hebrews chapter 1 verse 1 to 3, God has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power. God watches over his creation. He cares for it. He sits enthroned over it and he rules and governs it. One more thing that we need to learn about God in relation to creation is that creation depends upon him, 
not the other way around. God is self-sufficient. God is the eternal creator and sustainer of the whole universe. He doesn't need us, we need him. He gives to all life and breath and all things. In that passage in Acts, Paul describes our total dependence upon God. It is to him whom we owe our life. It is to him whom we owe every breath that we take In fact, everything that we need to sustain life is given to us by God. More importantly, we need him in order to be assured of heaven. Think of our dependence upon God as being like a divine life support system that every one of us needs to keep us alive. One Lord's Day afternoon in the early 2000s, I got a telephone call around lunchtime. I was asked to come to the Royal Victoria Hospital in Belfast and I was told which part of the hospital to come to. A lady who belonged to the church where I was the pastor had undergone an operation. She'd been ill with cancer and the operation sadly had not been a success. She was being kept alive on a life support machine and the medical staff had decided that the time had come for the machine to be turned off. The family, saddened, acquiesced in this. But they wanted me to come. They asked the hospital staff, could their pastor be there to pray with them before her life ended? When I got to the hospital, I found the family gathered round her bed. And I went into the cubicle and I gathered the family around and I led them in prayer. And when I got to the end of the prayer, one of the medical staff quietly moved forward and simply flicked a switch and it was all over. Her life ended very quietly, very peacefully, and because she was a Christian believer, she went to be with the Lord, whom she loved and served. Think of our lives like that. Every one of us is on a life support machine, and the God who switched that life support machine on for us has already determined when he will switch it off. That day, that exact moment, is already decided when the divine support that keeps us living and breathing will be over and so will our lives and we will stand before God, our creator and our sustainer. In Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27 we are warned it is appointed for man to die once but after this the judgment. On that day we need the Lord. On that day we need him more than ever. On that day we need for him to acknowledge us as his, to confess before God that we belong to him. In Luke chapter 12 and verse 8, Also I say to you, whoever confesses me before men, him shall the Son of Man also confess before the angels of God. We need Christ. So we need God. We need him for life and we need him for food. We need him for provisions. And most of all, we need his salvation. We need our Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. In our next lesson, we shall ask what it means to say that the eternal, almighty creator is my God and my Saviour. Mm-hmm.